is the She Loves to Plan podcast with me, Monique Svensson, founder of Perfect Planner Company. If you are a time-poor entrepreneur, a business owner spinning too many plates, or a busy mum who wants to feel more successful, more accomplished, and more organised in your business, life, and home, then this podcast is for you. As a planning expert, I know that every goal needs a plan, and I'm here to show you how. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the She Loves to Plan podcast. I am very excited today. I have got my lovely friend, Nicola Rowley here, who is going to be talking us to us, I should say, today all about PR. So I've worked with Nicola for a while now and she's been great helping us get behind some PR for Perfect Planner Company, which has been amazing. But um, Nicola's here on our business section of the podcast today. She is an award-winning PR specialist with a background in journalism, but she also teaches business owners the power of PR through storytelling. And she's absolutely amazing at this. And I know she's going to offer us some great value today. Um, So first of all, Nicola, hello, welcome. Hello, Um, thanks for having me with you. Oh, it's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Um, do you want to let everybody know a little bit more about you, who you are, where you're from, and, and all of that stuff? Thank you. Yeah, of course. So um born in Essex. Uh, so I am an original blonde Essex girl um, wow. and put up with all the jokes as I was going through. But I have always had a love for storytelling. You touched on it there in the intro, Monique. And, and for me... It goes all the way back to when I was six, sat in a classroom and my teacher asked us to write a story. And I wrote a story about a cat, a witch and a spaceship. And literally, I don't know what happened in that moment, but I still remember how I felt. I was so excited and I didn't want to stop writing. And I carried on writing long after everyone else had gone out to break time. And the teacher was just saying, Nicola what's going on I was like I have to finish this story and she was like okay okay you finish that story I'll give the others other things to do and I carried on writing and in the end bear in mind I was six it was uh, over a thousand words long and what they said was okay so you've done this and it is you know it's a great story um could you stand up in front of the whole school and read out your story Wow. Yeah, of course. No problems at all. Found the second thing that I love to do, which is standing up in front of people, talking to people, communicating with people um, and being able to do that on a much bigger scale. So fast forward, of course, it was a natural kind of thing that I became a journalist. So I've worked as a journalist in newsrooms in the UK and abroad. Uh, for 13 years and absolutely loved it because I was telling stories in some shape or form except there was this creative part of me that I kind of felt like I wasn't doing anything with so I had an opportunity to take redundancy from the BBC so I left the BBC on the Friday um, and ended up on the Monday starting a really creative 
um, PR agency and I was like working with loads of different brands, everything from Channel 4, Honda, Panasonic. Um, but my biggest client at the time was UK TV. Now they have a suite of 13 channels and you would have heard of them like Gold and Dave and things like that. Um, and I've been helping them with the relaunches of all of the channels from the agency side. But when I was up at the Edinburgh TV Festival, um, I said to the then head of PR at UK TV, oh, look, I've got you another double page spread in, in the mail. And she just looked at me and she went, oh, Nicola, what are we going to do with you? And I was like, what's it like working in-house? And she was like, oh, my God, I've got a job. Oh, my God, it's yours. And then that was it. That was my interview pretty much. Like I had to do a formal kind of going in and sitting in with HR and them going, okay, the box is a job kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in. Um, and I worked there for like six years and I did everything from like traveling abroad with celebrities and taking like when they were doing filming somewhere in a different country. I went to Malaysia with Atul Kutcher. Um, I went to New York with James Martin. I, like literally I went to Nashville with the Harry Bikers. I was all over the place. I did a Miami um, rooftop photo shoot with Kelly Rowland. I mean, like oh you could God. not make up like all of the experiences that I was having and all of the things that I was doing but still something was missing. And so around about 2012, 2013, I launched my own photography business because I had to always been interested in photography. Um, and I just thought, oh, that, that will tick all the boxes. And I was getting commissions and I was getting booked for weddings and everything else. And then I found out in the November 2013 that I was pregnant with my son, James day it all changes right and yeah everything changes and then I was like okay so um all right this is fine I can carry on doing a bit of photography um and then he'll come along uh, didn't even think about you know it was a non-plus that I was just going to go straight back into my role I said to everyone I'll be back in nine months when I walked away and it got to the nine month mark and I realized I couldn't be without him. We had a tricky start with him. He went into intensive care um, and I had separation anxiety because it was just me and him mm. day after day after day where he'd gone up into intensive care and we'd been separated very early on for those first couple of weeks. I couldn't be with him yeah. at night and it was too much for me to deal with. Yeah. Um, and so trying to go back into a, and nine to five was really difficult for me. And I, I really struggled. I used to spend like, you know, quite, quite a long time crying in the toilet cubicles at work and everything else. And I just, I found it really, really hard. Um, and in the end, when um, an opportunity to take redundancy came, I did. Um, and I was just like, look, I've got to find a way that to make this work for me. So what I did was I set out a plan. And the plan was as follows. I'll take a year's contract somewhere because I'm not ready to give up on PR in the corporate yeah. sector just yet. And I've been away for a year and I've like, I, I've, I didn't lose all my contacts, but you know, they'd moved on and they'd done other things in that. It's hard though, isn't it? When you're freelance as well, because unless you're there in the thick of it at that moment, it's very yeah. easy to sort of come off that path, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So I went back in, I got a contract with BBC Worldwide um, 
I said to them, right, okay, great. There's not much travel involved. He said, no, 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 no. By this point, James is about 18 months old. Um, within two weeks, I'm overseeing the Stig doing circuits of a, a South African racetrack. Um, you know, a few weeks after that, I'm in the Middle East and I'm thinking, thank heavens it's only a year. So yeah. I have my get out bit. And it was instead of working five days a week, it was it was um, in the office. It was four days a week in the office, one day a week from home. Plus the hours were better. So that helped with all of the commute and everything else. And then when the when the year came up, I stayed for a little bit longer, but I, I really wanted to do my own thing. I was like desperate to get out there and do my own thing. Um, and an opportunity came up to go and work at Thorpe Park. And I was like, actually it's 30 minutes down the road they agreed to me working a four-day week it was the most fun I think I've ever had in an entire job (laughs) that's what everyone asks I don't go upside down on a roller coaster so (laughs) Ball Park is possibly the worst place for me to be it's the scariest of them all isn't it yeah, exactly. Whereas I just want to poodle around and all the kids around. It would have been perfect for Chessington, maybe, and Legoland, but maybe not Thought Park. Um, so it was hilarious because I used to put all of the celebrities on to all of the rides that go upside down. And they'd be like, but you're coming on. I was like, no, Ooh. I don't do upside down. <laughs> and then they'd go off on the roller coaster and like we film them going off. And then they'd be like, I can't believe you just did that to me. and You don't do it. Um but yeah, it kind of went from there, really. And I was, I took on the role knowing that in a year, my little boy was going to start school. So he was, um, he's an August born baby. So obviously he would only just have turned four when he went into primary yeah, school. And I, yeah. And I just wanted to be that mom on the school gates. So I, I, I reached a point where I was like, right, okay, I've got the photography business like doing well in the January of 2018 I had eight weddings booked in and then I was like no I've got to up this because by the end of May which is when I need to have my notice in I need to have at least 20 I've got to 25 weddings booked in as well as doing all of my day job as well as doing everything else and and being a mum and being there for everyone else got that sorted so I knew I could have my notice in And then they said to me, oh, could you just stay on for like a couple of months freelance for us? And I said what my rate was and my terms and everything else. And then I can help them get through Fright Nights 2018. So I did all of that and I was freelancing for them. And another lady came to me and she said, could you help me out in my PR agency as well? And I was like, great. Yeah happy to do that and weddings at the weekend this is all good it was all coming together and everything was great I reached a point though with the weddings where I realized little one was in school Monday to Friday he was around at weekends and there I was going off and doing a wedding it wasn't working so I then I was then my focus was back on the PR side of things because that was working better and it was fitting in a lot better for me um and I just yeah, I think I'd chosen a couple of the wrong clients for the weddings and it, it kind of put me off. I was just like, it's too much and I don't want to go down that road. So with the PR, it was all going really, really well. 
And then on the 31st of October 2018, um, I was on the set of This Morning with the guys from Thorpe Park and all of the scare actors were on there. They did a big festival thing with uh, Philip and Alison Hammond was on there as well. Um, and so Phil and Alison were on there. It was really good fun. And I got a text in the middle of it all saying, I'm really sorry, Nick, I can't afford to pay you um, anymore. And it was from the lady at the other agency but that was the money that I'd been living off. And thankfully, I just put aside all of the money that I'd been getting from Thorpe Park. So I had money to kind of actually survive. So you, nevertheless, um, it's a shock and it's a... It's a know. shock. Yeah. And so you get to kind of like, you know, October, end of October, going into November, December, no one's really hiring freelance PRs around that time. And so I'm I'm faced with okay, this is December, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to be doing. Um, I wanted it to fit in so I was there for my little boy, but I didn't know how it could work. And a conversation with the amazing Lisa Johnson, who's my business coach, and basically I was sat on the floor going, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And in that conversation, she just said to me, Nick, I've got you. And she has. She's been true to her word and she's incredible. And it's gone from there. And she was just like, you need to do this. Why are you not doing this by yourself? And I was like, well, I needed to build up. And she was just like, no, enough. You can do this. You absolutely, you've worked in the media how long? And when I told her everything that I'd done, she was just like, Nick, come on. You can do this standing on your head. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, but I needed I that push yeah. in the right direction and for me to really have my back up against the wall before I would even think about doing it. I think sometimes we know, don't we? We know we can do this, but it just takes that sort of words of encouragement from somebody else to say, do you know what, just go out there and do it. And it's like the light bulb, the major aha moment that we have that we go, oh, God, yeah, I can actually do this and I am more than capable and look at where you are now. I mean, you are literally the PR person for all the entrepreneurs out there. You know, everybody's making their mark. Um, and that's thanks to you and the work that you're doing. Um, just before I ask you some questions, um, you're an author as well, which I forgot to mention in the intro. And of course, you touched on that when you said that you wrote that story when you were six years old. And um you know, that you obviously had a love of writing and that you went out and you wrote a children's book. Is that? Yeah. So, yeah. So the children's book, I was never going to write a children's book. I was never going to be a children's author. I was always going to write um, something that was more interesting for mums. I've still got that idea. That's still there. And I was going to do that on my maternity leave. Um and I'd always said to myself, right, you must write a book. You must do this because it's something that was like, it was on my bucket list. Like I had to do it. And then when we were at the swimming pool, when James was about three months old, we went along and there was a little girl and we were getting changed afterwards. And there was a little girl who was crying her eyes out and nothing that her mum could do could stop her from crying. And James was just, I don't know, he was lying on his back. He was just pooping around. He was very happy at that point but he looked across at the little girl and then he looked at me 
And then he just reached out her, his hand to her and held her hand. And it was the most instinctive thing I think I've ever seen. And then he just smiled. And obviously at that point, he didn't have any teeth. He was like, <laughs> it was the gummiest little smile ever. He's three months old and he's doing that. And he just wanted her to know it was okay. And in that moment, she, I mean, initially she was quite shocked, but she stopped. She looked at him and she smiled back. She knew everything was going to be okay. And the mum looked at me and just went, wow, you have a very special little boy there. Now, obviously, every parent thinks that their child is very special, but it just made me think there's really something, there's a power in smiling at people about that small act of kindness that can make a massive difference to others. And that is how James and the Amazing Gift came about. So I went away, I thought about it for a bit, and I just thought, that's it, I'm going to write the story about James this special little boy who has this amazing gift of his smile. And he did. Uh, like the more that I then saw him and watched what he was doing all the time, first ever trip that we took on the train into London, he went round, like literally he was sat in his seat and he looked at every single person in all of the seats that in the kind of banker seats that were near us. And he smiled at every single one until they smiled back. He didn't <laughs> stop. It was like his little thing that he used to do. And it was just, and then in the end, everyone was talking and saying, oh my God, it's amazing. And, and like, but everyone loved it. And it was a really special thing that he used to do. I don't think we get him doing it now, but <laughs> now, now they're a bit older. It's like, oh, cringe, please don't yeah, do that. Exactly. But, um, so that's how that started. And then at the time I was working with another business coach and she was like, Nicola, I know you're doing the photography and everything else, but we keep coming back to the writing. I said, we'll always come back to the writing with me because it's about storytelling. And that's what everything is about for me. And she was just like, okay, but where do we go with this? And I was like, I've written a book. And she was like, what are you doing with it? I was like, it's on my laptop. And she was like, right, publish it put it out there and go and promote it. You know how to promote things, go promote it. And so I did. And then it was featured. Loads of celebrities were talking about it. I was in the Daily Mirror, Woman and Home. Um, I was all over the place and I was just writing. I became a Huffington Post blogger. Um, I blogged for um, places like Grandsnet, talking about the importance of um, looking out for others and that kindness and what we need and how we also need to have that intergenerational kind of relationship going on. It's so important to have the young with the elderly. Um, and then from people's lives, you know, that kind of thing makes so much difference, you know, to people's yeah. lives and it's wonderful. And then from there, um, I mean, I, I was very much like I didn't really want to take the job at BBC Worldwide when that happened but you know things happen for a reason so I was able to reconnect with someone that I previously worked with at UK TV it just so happened that they also knew Dr Ranch so TV's Dr Ranch agreed to meet with me we talked about whether or not he would narrate the second book in the James and the series and it became James and the Birthday Balloon and I pretty much wrote it around Dr Ranch around the again a small act of kindness where it's between friends um 
but then you know part of the proceeds of the sales could go to the London Evelina Children's Hospital as well and that and then Dr Ange would come on board and he narrated the audiobook version for me which was amazing um and then but then when my dad sadly passed away in 2016 it kind of concentrated my mind on the character that he'd created for me when I was nine so it was a wizard called Mug the Wump and he told this fantastical kind of story and everything else over the course of a week I think it was and I was like, you've got to write this all down, Dad. You've got to do it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. But first of all, you've got to draw me a picture of what you think Muggle Wump looks like. Now, that picture stayed on our garage wall for years. Wow. And he never, ever wrote it down. Now, we all know life gets in the way, right? We all know that it's possible to let our dreams get derailed by other things, by the day-to-day busyness of everything. And that's what happened with my dad. He was very much like, I'll do that. I will get round to it, but he never did. So in memory of him, I wrote my version of the story. Um, and there were an awful lot, if you know like me really, really well, you'll be able to see there are just so, so many like, things that actually happened to me as a child that were actually written into that book as a an homage to it to him basically Great um, there isn't there to um you know stop putting things off if you really want to go out there and do something you've got to go out there and do it because we don't know we don't no. know what's around the corner with um, you know I'm not going to bring this down at all the energy of the podcast but it just you know, it is a lesson to us to say, just go out there and do it. You want to do something, what is the worst going to happen? Just yeah, go Definitely. And I've always been that kind of person. I've always been like very much, someone was saying to me the other day, the reason they want to work with me is that I'm a real go-getter. I'm the sort of person that doesn't allow things to stand in my way. I'll kind of find a way to get around them until I get to the end kind of goal. And then, of course, obviously, now that I've launched the NJRPR, the communications agency, I was debating, do I write a book about PR? And then I was really worried that it was going to end up being like this really dry book about PR because so many books are like they're very kind of like, this is what you need to do and this is how you need to do it. And I was just like, no, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be something that people will pick up, put down would read kind of stories in there that would make them think that, yes, it's possible for them to. Um, and so I finally bit the bullet, wrote the book in the space of a week, which kind of scares quite a lot of people. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that, yeah, <laughs> on a retreat, while I was away on a retreat, and I think it scared the people more on the retreat than anything else. So what I had done is, and I always advocate this, if you're ever writing a book or you've got a big thing that you need to write, I use a thing called Otter. And then I literally record my voice of what I want to say. And then I had an outline. So I already had that when I went to Croatia. Um, but when we arrived, I turned up with a brand new laptop bought purposefully because I knew that I was going to sit there and write and sure I could have hung out around the pool for like days on end and everything else but I chose to take 
three hour blocks or two hour blocks out of the additional time that I had bearing in mind obviously I'm a mom and we've got a puppy as well and it's busy at this end and I knew I wouldn't get time like this again I ha- I owed it to myself to do that so I literally over the course of that week I wrote the entire book wow. and got it done it's amazing that just goes to show if you want it do something like that I mean I always try if I'm you know it's email sequences or launch sequences or anything like that you've got to do you've got to kind of distance yourself because when you've got all those distractions around you it is impossible to kind of really like focus on it and get it done and also when you're on a retreat you're in that zone aren't you you're completely focused on business which is amazing so you clearly you love storytelling you know storytelling is just made a massive massive part of your career so for people out there that are thinking actually do you know what I really feel like I've got this amazing product I've got a service that I want to share and they want to get into the realms of PR they want to sort of be seen be visible be known as the expert in their field um how can they go out there how can they tell this how can they pull their story really into what it is that they do and get known for what they do so the very first thing that i did but bear in mind that obviously i've i've brought out three of my own books so i've had to be able to as products be able to tell people that they've been out there because otherwise no one's going to read books and so this is exactly where i was right at the very beginning and the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to have an audience because you've got to have people that are going to read or buy your products or invest in whatever it is that you do. So you need to have that audience so that you can take them on that journey with you. Get them on board as soon as you can. You could build the audience, but you could just keep talking to them, keep like taking them along the kind of journey with you. And that's what I did as an author. So very much as soon as I became a Huffington Post blogger, I'd share the blogs with them, of course, but I'd also tell them what it meant to me to become a Huffington Post blogger and what were their takeaways from the pieces that I was writing. And um, I also started following. I sat down one weekend and I began on Twitter. And I remember zero followers zero audience and just sat there as a concerted effort while James was having his nap time and I just went through and I got up to 120 followers by the end of that weekend and that was literally reaching out to people following going in speaking to them saying oh my gosh that's amazing what you're doing love what you're doing and all the rest of it and finding all the people that were mummy bloggers so find your audience find the people that are influencers of a certain level within your field so I was looking at people at the time obviously I was just starting out so I was looking for someone with followings of around 3,000 but now if I was to do it I would always look around about 5,000 plus yeah and then what I did was I followed them I made connections with them and then I'd message them and I'd say is it something you'd be interested in doing would you review my book for me is it like you know would you be up for this are you doing any gift guides or anything like that um and I got a lot of traction through doing that um there is also a really great site called bloggers required um so I went on to there and posted out what I was looking for 
And then people came back to me that way as well. And again, you can specify the number of followers and all the rest of it. Um, and then I just carried on making connections. And then the icing on the cake was the PR side of things. So the PR side of things was writing a press release, first of all, going out to my uh, local radio station and telling them this is what I've done. Would you be interested in having me as a guest? Um, going to local magazines saying this is what I've done. Would you be interested in this? Um, and I got featured in the local media, um, in my local paper, and I got featured in the um, on the radio a couple of times on like the BBC, uh, BBC Surrey, which was very bizarre because I was actually going back into the booth where a few years previously I'd sat and read the news. I've been doing all of my kind of things when I was a journalist. I used to sit there and read the news in that room and there I was going on and being a guest. So it was like complete turning oh, the tables. Yes. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, funnily enough, nothing had actually changed that much. When I went back in, I was like, this is exactly oh, the same. Familiar, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I started, I realised I did go out to like initially, I went to like um, uh, another PR and I was like, can you help me? And she was just like, well, I don't really have book experience. And the reason that I'd gone to them in the first place was because I didn't have experience in PR in terms of books. And I thought that's what I needed. Um, but she seemed really great and everything else. I ended up spending a lot of money and didn't get anything. And then I was just like, Nick, no one's going to know about this. You can give up now or you can keep going. And that sheer grit and determination kicked in. And so what I started doing was looking at all of my contacts. And I went through them one by one by one. At the same time, I was ringing up bookstores, independent bookstores, and saying, can I come in? Can I show you my new book? Any chance that I could do a book signing? And I harassed, and I mean harassed, like I went in, in a really lovely way, but I went in to my local Waterstone store and I said, you know, hey, I've got this. Um, is it something you might be interested in? Couldn't get the manager for love and money. And when I eventually did, he said, all right, all right, you've been very persistent in getting me. I know you've been persistent. You've been in about four times. We'll give you a we'll give you a signing. Let's see how it goes. I can't even begin to tell you the power of social media, especially when it comes to local communities. So it's really important. So you've built that audience, you're going out, you're using PR as well as building up that audience and everything else. And just keep going, just keep talking to people about the experiences that you have along the way. Because someone came along to that book signing and she ran for half an hour to get to that book signing because she thought she was going to miss me and she was a teacher from a local school. Which was the other thing that I then also started doing was entering like, you know, like independent book awards, but then also doing school visits because that's where you can make money. So all the time I was thinking, how can I generate income from doing this? Because yes. this week alone, I've spoken to two people who are so passionate about being authors, and yet they haven't thought about how they can actually maximise 
what it is they're doing. They're just looking at, I've got the book. I just want to write this That's book. That's not it. Yeah. But, and yeah, once it's done, it's done, isn't it? But it's not. Yeah. Your work begins yeah. once the book is published. Absolutely. And that's what people fail to realise. So, like, for the PR book, for instance, obviously when I wanted to promote that, it's really quite hard to get international media talking about PR because, like, who's going to want to open up a magazine and be like, PR? Mm-hmm. Unless you're in business and you are, you want to promote what it is you do so you can go on and impact others, it's quite a difficult thing to do. So this is where strategic storytelling, and it has to be strategically done, this is where it comes into its own. So when you wrap something up into a story, instantly it becomes much more interesting. And that's where you can end up having much deeper emotional connections with other people. So for the book, when I was bringing it out, there was a double page spread in Woman's Own um, talking about how um, I just had my son. I was never going to have any other children. And that was a choice that I'd made because it had been quite a traumatic experience anyway, just even like getting pregnant, going through the whole thing. And obviously with all the stuff with the intensive care side of things. So we had this double page spread then people are asking me, well, do you have any products or anything else? Or do you know anyone that might be able to help us with doing this um, awards ceremony? And I'm like, well, would you like 100 of my books? And then Lauren Prentice gets in touch. And obviously she runs the business box as a subscription box business. And she says, Nick, can I have 750 of your books to go into the subscription box? Yeah. Well, of course you can. Yes. And this is how you start to market. You've got to think about the other avenues and the other ways that you it can. Maximize exactly. Yeah, just really maximizing right. it. Yeah. Very much so. So I think, I think really from that, we're gathering that really if people want PR in their business, they need to establish a story, what their story is. You really want to kind of get your audience on board to kind of fall in love with you, I suppose, and and warm to you and engage with you, not necessarily on a level of what it is, the product that you've got to offer, because that will come afterwards, isn't it? Um, and I know that uh, from working with you, you know, that we we talk a lot about my story. We've talked a lot about that. And, and you know, from that, it's got actually nothing to do with Perfect Planet Company, but it's kind of how it formed. My story is how my company formed. So, yeah, I think you really sort of need to get people on board. Um, when people need to pitch to the press, they think, actually, do you know, this is my story. This is why I do what I do. This is how it came about or whatever it was that sort of took them on that path how do they pitch you know how what would you suggest for people to write a really good um impactful pitch to the press um because i know until we started working together i wouldn't have had a clue where to start on that kind of thing probably get your book that's first one (laughs) get the book get the book it's called the power of pr and it pretty much will take you through every single stage of this but the most important thing is to not send a journalist war and peace they don't want to know that you had a blog post that had something i've had journalists come into my membership where they're talking about um 
I've been sent links in a pitch post. I'm not going to read what you wrote like three years ago and how that might be helpful to them. They, they don't have the time or the capacity to deal with it. They're lovely. On the whole, most journalists are lovely. I know we tend to think that mm, they're trying to trip us up and everything else. Just it's a professional relationship. That's what you need to remember. Don't be fooled into kind of like, oh, they're my friends and all the rest of it. Professional 100% of the time. But also just keep it really short and succinct. Hello. I'm getting in touch because I am a, with X number of years experience working in, or I've got a product which I think could be ideal for one of your upcoming gift guides. Um, we like, here's a, you know, here's a link to our website. Uh, we've got high res images available if you would like them. If you need any comments around um, getting ready for Christmas or getting ready for Easter or getting ready for any of the things that you could do with a product-based business, please let me know. Obviously, make it time-specific. So if it's if you're kind of in September, you should be aiming for the Christmas market. Even in August, you should be thinking about the Christmas market. Um, and then you wrap it all up into that. And then you just say, um, here are my contact details. I'd love to hear from you. Now, you may well not hear back from them at all. However, two months down the line, when they're on deadline, they'll have filed you away somewhere and then they'll suddenly come back to you. Um, in two hours, I need a um, someone that can give me 10 top tips about how to do X, Y, Z. And if that's coming from a national journalist, you have to drop everything and make that happen. And then go back to them so that they've got it Make sure that you get like a link through to your website. It's really important that you get that as much as possible. Some places won't do it, but online, on the whole, they will link through to your website. That is where the gold is, because if you've got a big website like Metro, The Sun, um, Mail Online, Express, um, linking to you, the follow on from that, the click through from that is amazing. And it will help with your SEO. So your SEO is your search engine optimization. And at the end of the day, as a business owner, what you want to have is discoverability. So it's all very well. You could do all of the PR and everything else along, alongside it. But if you don't have a way for people to find you, or even if it says in the introduction what it is that you do, people can't find out who you are. If something that you say in a piece of PR resonates with someone, they're going to seek you out because people buy from people. Yeah. So keep any pitches short and sweet, three, three, four paragraphs maximum. Do not attach anything. Please, please, please do not put like, oh, here's my bio or here's some pictures of me or anything else unless a journalist has already asked you to do that. Um, have pictures ready. I tend to put all of my photos of like my clients, I put them all on a Dropbox link. And then I put the Dropbox link in the body of the email because it's not something that, it, that they have to go into and attach. It doesn't take up loads of room on their system. But if they need them, they've got them. And quite often what I tend to find is when I've done that and then they've liked something, the piece will just go out straight away with what I've written or what I've sent them. 
and then the picture will appear um, because they just go into it. It makes it easy. Just make everything as easy as possible. So maybe by doing that, a good thing to do would be to um, have your pictures ready. Oh, gosh, always have your pictures and then you yes. can have a list, can't you, of all the places that you want to contact yourself, especially if you haven't got a PR agent working with you and you're doing this solo. Then, you know, if you're a small business owner and you're just starting out, then, you know, you're going to be doing this solo. But get everything written out. Have your list of where you, you want to attack, essentially, and your pictures written out. And then make it part of your plan and your strategy. Every couple of days, I'm going to email three people. And just keep going, keep it going, because eventually somebody's going to take you up on what you have um, to offer. The one thing to say is you have to, if you're doing it strategically, you have to be aware of where your ideal clients are hanging out. So don't just randomly go off to, oh, I must be in this magazine because I've always loved it. If your ideal clients aren't there, it's a bit of a wasted opportunity. It might be a bit of an ego boost for you. And I get it. Sometimes it's nice to have that amazing title. But if your ideal clients on the whole aren't there, head to where they are, the kind of things that they would be reading, watching, listening to, all of those kind of things. And then what you need to do is actually listen to, read, watch, whatever it is, those publications. You've got to do that research because you will be able to see how your story can fit in to that publication. And that means that when you do put forward that pitch, you can say to them, I've seen that you've got this um, section on X, Y, Z. I think my story would fit perfectly there. It makes the world of difference. And if a journalist comes back to you, respond straight away, do whatever they need you to do, and then get it sorted within the deadline that they're working to. Yeah, because they won't be interested. If you miss that deadline, there's like so many people out there, isn't there? So you've got to, you've got to act fast. Um, Nicola, thank you so much. I mean, there's so much more value that we could throw in here, but I, I know we're running out of time. Um, so I just want to do it a little bit of fun. I always like to sort of end these podcasts with a little bit of fun. So I have, well, I've got here a lucky box, which nobody can see. And within it are some... Uh, quick fire questions but my first fun question for you um what was your first paid job I worked in a bakery when I was 14 um and so it was, I was a Saturday girl and so I learned all about bloomers CD bloomers <laughs> um like I I mean I literally learned everything from there and then I went back in the summer and I cut lettuce I mean, my gosh, I literally spent that was a job that from was- 7 a.m. But no, I think actually we started at half past five in the morning and finished at half past one. I cut lettuce. That is a and then and then I put it into a pot and then I, I spun it around to get all of the water out of it. I did that a whole summer of doing that. That is so many. I wonder how many lettuces that was. Quite a lot. That was a lot of lettuces. Right. Here we go. Here's my this and that questions. I'm going to ask you three. Mm. Okay. Test the water or dive in deep. Dive in the deep end. Test the water or dive in at the deep end. It, it depends on the situation. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I am a... Literal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I like to kind of like, yeah, I, I do weigh things up, but I also make snap decisions too. So yeah. there's a bit of both in me. I think I like to see where everything's going, but I don't hang around for long. If I know that something's right, I just go for it. Yeah, I like that. Bad haircut or bad hair dye? Um, I've had both. Um, the bad haircut upset me the most. Yeah. So I'd always go bad hair dye. Yeah, me too. I think that would be me. Right, last one. Ooh, attend a party or host a party? Host. I love hosting. I love, like, being able to give. And I'm all about giving. So I love to get, put on an experience for people to have an amazing time. And I think there's something really special in being able to just put smiles on people's faces. I just think it's, yeah, it's a really special thing to do. I love so, it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Um, Nicola, where can people find you if they want to know more from you? Um, you can find me. I've got a free Facebook group called the communications community so head on over we'd love to have you with us uh, my website is uh, www.njrpr.com and if you're thinking about getting into pr but you're not sure if you're ready or not i've got a free quiz which is pr-quiz.com amazing and we'll put all of those links in the show notes so anybody listening to this all of those links will be in the show notes below. Nicola Rowley, thank you so much for joining me today on the She Loves to Plan podcast. And until next time, happy planning, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. Also, head over to the She Loves to Plan Facebook group where you can get even more value from me. Until next time, happy planning.